Flash! Breaking news from the Collector's Quest podcast. We're going to get on top of a video game collection story within a week of it happening. What's up, Johnny? Whoa, my God, whoa. We're we're in, like, relatively early? Yeah, all right, so we're going to have to make the thumbnail, and we're going to be, like, angry Collector's Quest reacts to a game that sold for too much money. Johnny and Tyler react to Mario selling for 100k. Oh, I'm so mad at this. This affects me. Yeah, um, well, I think on this episode, we can do a better job of a lot of the articles you may have read or just quick things you've seen, and we can give you some insight into what made this sale particularly interesting and why a Super Mario sold for 100k. We can talk about who the seller was and their perspective on it and kind of who the buyers were, because I know if you just read like the quick flash blurb that you saw like on social media or whatever, they're not going to get into that stuff. But we have that news for you because we did a better job of researching this than these people did. Well, Johnny, I already went on YouTube and read it, and people are like, oh, of course this sold for a lot. You guys, so many people are going to come here and overreact. Guys, this was a sealed test market, Mario. It was a first print. So, I mean, I mean, of course, $100,000, that's no big deal. Oh, is it no big deal, Tyler? Is that is that accurate? That's it. I mean, that's expected. We see this all the time. Oh, first nope. print Mario is selling for $100,000. That, that's, that's not true. No, this is... This is an unprecedented sale, right? The only thing we've seen close to this are some of the uh, stadium event. And that's so. And the difference between the stadium event and Mario is a wide gap, right? Stadium events, a a garbage game that um, had a very particular circumstance, which caused it to be recalled and destroyed versus uh, like one of the best selling games of all time. Okay, we're going to say that recall, I think, is a rumor. That's not 100% true, is it? Did the, we don't know that they didn't just sell out stock. Uh, well, well, no, I, I think that was... Look, a recall makes sense. I thought part of the Nintendo deal was when they bought it from them, from Bandai, to make the Nintendo Power Pad, is that I don't know if they allowed all the remaining stock to be sold, but whatever was in their warehouses. There was no further printings and um, stuff that was... Backstock material was all pulled back. Go watch the Pat the NES Punk video on stadium events where he sticks to what we know as fact and everything that's conjecture. It's a really good video. Okay. That's the uh, first time we've ever recommended Pat the NES Punk. Great. So to bring it back, uh, sealed stadium events sold for $35,000, which is not even close to what this Mario sold for. No. In fact, you know, this Mario is almost triple that. So why? Why, Tyler? Uh, well, it's just appreciated since that uh, $30,000 one sold like two years ago, I think. So that, that's right. It's just natural appreciation. Just right? this natural market flux at the one of the most common games of all times is suddenly $100,000. And I'm not salty about this, by the way. There are some people who are very angry about this price. Uh, we can talk about whether this price is justified or not. But rather than that, Tyler, tell me why this is special. Why the most common game one of the most prolific games if not the most prolific game in video game history is suddenly a hundred thousand dollars so this is a first print super mario brothers there's a whole bunch of prints of super mario brothers believe it or not it was in print for like 10 years so when the nes originally came out there were test markets in new york and la and those black box games have a single circular sticker seal on the top of them that basically designates that they're part of the first print uh, every other print after that was shrink-wrapped. So including that $30,000 one that sold a couple of years ago, that was a shrink-wrapped copy, so that wasn't a first print either. No, that was actually a sixth print. So this is the kind of thing that's becoming more important, especially with sealed game collectors, which me and Johnny are not, so we can't fully speak to that. 
Um, but things like original print runs of important games are becoming more and more important. Uh, so the original Super Mario Brothers had a sticker seal. Then it moved on to a uh, just a regular shrink wrap, and it had a uh, a punch out hang tab on the back of the box. And then there was a shrink wrapped copy with no hang tab on the back of the box. And then the latest print runs have a white circular seal instead of the see through gold and black circular seal. And if you have a white circle seal on your Super Mario Brothers or any black box game, just throw it out. No one wants that seal. You have garbage. Right, yeah, Jimmy? And when we say seal, like, it's not the sticker seal. Like, the seal, uh, the Nintendo seal of quality. Like, just... Yes, in the bottom right of the box. Yeah. Because uh, that's a little, like, just saying seal is a little confusing. When we say that white seal, that's uh, Nintendo seal of quality. Uh, yeah, and if you have a white one of those, like the oval white... Just go home. You're not in this. You're not in the $100,000 market, okay? Get out of here. You're not in the regular complete in box market. Who wants that eyesore on their beautiful black box games? I think I I was telling you earlier. I think I might have one left with uh, that. I'm going to go and check and and see if I fixed it or not. I can't remember. All right. So the... uh There's like 12 or 16 different variants uh, in total of the black box games and uh, Super Mario Brothers. Let me look. There's a... there's 11 and 10 out of the 11 or like nine out of the 11 are completely worthless sealed or opened. So a sealed super Mario brothers is worth around one to $2,000 and all of the opened ones are worthless, like $60 except for that first print one. If you have an open sticker seal one, it's still worth uh, $1,000. I saw people on Nintendo age saying $1,000 might even be a little bit low. After this sale, I'm guessing that even an open sticker seal probably going to be worth a lot more now that an, one with an intact sticker basically sold for $100,000. Yeah. But those those are basically the only two hot shit Mario games. And then that $30,000 one, that was just a very nice condition early print run, but that wasn't even a sticker seal. That was just an exceptional copy of the game. And we should also say about um, this one, too, and it, it's not just that circle seal on top it's also the fact that it was also immaculate right like it, it had everything going for it this was when we talk about condition you know rarity um first print it it was checking all of those boxes it wasn't just wasn't just the circle seal like there was other factors going in that were kind of driving the price on this yeah, and so this is a one-of-a-kind thing. No one. This is the only known like public sticker seal Mario people know about, and it just happens to be in like mint condition. So, right. Do we want to go over the story of where it came from? Um, yeah, let's go over the story, and then l- let me just talk about one thing. Let's clarify: this was not an auction. It, it was reported on the Heritage Auction website, um, and we can talk about who bought it in a little bit, but. It wasn't an auction. This was a sale. It was like, this is the price I want for it. And then the price was actually paid. But not really because um, it was bought. Oh, I'm just going to go into it real quick. Okay, so it was bought by three different people. Um, one of them known as Jim Halperin uh, or James Halperin, depending if what you look at his Wikipedia page. Zach Gig, I'm pronouncing his name wrong. Is the owner of Just Play Games. And uh, Robert B. Uh, I'm gonna say his name wrong too. Uh, Ricci. Okay, so these these are a collective of investors who went in on this game, and they put money. Um, Jim Halperin is notable because he is 
a co-chairman and a founder of Heritage Auctions. He's like a big, he was a big coin guy before this. He's built up other auction sites. Um, so he came in with a group of investors. They see something in video games and they bought this. Um, it was sold by um, if you a guy named Dan. He's Bronte on Nintendo Age. And I feel comfortable saying this because he posted in a thread and is that's all out in the public. So I don't mind throwing it out there. He actually had an offer higher than this because some people were like, oh, it took a, an investor collective of three people. It took three people to buy this. One, all three of those people are are guys who have money and could probably have bought this by themselves if they really want to, but they decided to be a collective of investors uh, for reasons I'm not privy to, but they did this. And Bronte actually had a higher offer from a single buyer. So you're saying, well, why didn't he just take the higher offer from a single buyer? And Johnny, why didn't he just take the higher offer from the single buyer? Uh, well, that rights protections, right? So when, when offers come in, like if you accept a first right, it doesn't matter if a second offer comes in after the fact, if you've accepted a first right offer, there's there, it was like a, it was a, a known sale. So there, there's, there are measures here that are beyond what you and I will do in our everyday or probably ever, uh, on these big auction sites and, uh, these big sales. There's a whole other world. And we can talk about this a little later, Tyler, of, of collectors like actual high-end collectors and like the way they go in about collecting it's a lot different than the way when people look at us and they think oh man johnny and tyler are big collectors they got a bunch of stuff stefan's a big collector we aren't anywhere near this level we are we, we buy things on ebay like primarily i don't even know where these people buy games they like meet in their shadowy illuminati basement <laughs> right and they like i just imagine it's like that scene in requiem for a dream you know, that scene at the end where it's just a bunch of shady people at the... I don't know where this stuff sells. Like, if you were going to buy the Nintendo PlayStation, that's never going to show up on eBay. You've got to be in the inner circle to buy that and have a lot of money. Right. And that's that's important. And it's uh, going to be a big leap for this hobby when people realize that this is... There's a different way that people collect. These are people coming from... And we've talked about this. And whether, like, video games will become, like, an actually truly collectible hobby... Out there in the world, like in coin collecting, stamps, you know, even comic books, you don't walk into that hobby and you don't expect that you will ever own the top 10% of, of what's out there. Video game collectors still think, oh, I can own everything. I can buy whatever I want. And there's not like this ridiculous ceiling. In coins, when they sell for a million dollars plus on like some of their top items, you know, you just get into collecting because you enjoy the hobby. You're never thinking, oh, I'm going to, I'll have it all. That, that's just not a reasonable thing. And whether, like, sales like this will help differentiate that in video game collecting and make people think, I'll never maybe have it all. Though this is pretty much a, a special circumstance. But it takes price points like this to separate us. Anyways, uh, we can get into the story of how it sold and why this one very particular one came out there. I just wanted to, uh, you know, do this really lame segue to get back to that. So there you go, Tyler. <laughs> Yeah, so this was uh, from a private collection. It So most sealed games like this, you're hoping are going to be found in a warehouse as unsold stock. So I'm still, I still have my fingers crossed that we're going to find that pallet of stadium events out there. This copy was actually uh, an adult video game player, an Atari guy, stopped playing video games in the NES era, but he kept buying video games and he would just keep them sealed on the shelf. This is per Bronte. He thinks it was more of a hoarder thing and not really uh, seeing the potential in sealed video games in the future. He would just keep buying this kind of stuff. Uh, and he just happened to buy 
uh, an original Prince Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> never opened it, never played it. And then he died a few years ago and all his crazy stuff came into the market. And I'm sure all of these super high-end game collectors snapped up at it. So whenever I see a copy of Super Mario Brothers, whenever I see any sealed game like this, usually I'm like, oh, dude, that's a sealed game. That's pretty cool. But when it's like such an important game and it has this kind of story behind it, it's like, oh, man, that guy never got to play Super Mario Brothers. No wonder he stopped playing video games when the NES came out. He never played Super Mario Brothers. He, he played like the last shitty Atari games. And he and he had an original Mario there. That man, he, the rest of his video game life was ruined, and Bronte has now profited on this guy's misery <laughs> because this this sad man died never playing the original Mario. Oh, I wonder man. if he ever went back and played like a different version of it, like you know, on any any other friends, or maybe he bought a NES set, like an action set that came with. Uh, well, Mario yeah, in 1988, I think the U.S. government issued a copy of Super Mario Duck Hunt to every U.S. citizen over the age of 18. So I'm sure he got one. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he managed to find one eventually. But yeah, that would be really sad. We actually talked about this on on the podcast, like how it would, how something like this, like an original Sonic. We talked about Sonic, Mario, or Zelda. Like if one of those games had never been played, an original one and sealed, like how much that would be worth? Because it would be impossible to find that. Because who would have one and didn't play it? Well, we stand corrected. This guy did. It went for $100,000, and we so weird. And after this was bought, I didn't pick this up on Nintendo Age or Heritage Auctions, but it was one of the other blogs I read. It said that this was originally graded by, quote, another grading service that did not put a special note on what a special variant having the first Prince Super Mario Brothers is. So this was broken open. So I'm assuming it's VGA. Where else would you get this graded besides VGA seven years ago? Um, it was broken open and sent to WADA games, and WADA is the hot new kid on the block, and they obviously have they have a more detailed uh, little blurb at the top, they have a more secure case, things like that, and so now WADA went, what, they're like a year old now, and they just sold the most expensive video game ever made, and not only did Bronte put his trust into WADA to grade the game, but three super high-profile buyers bought the game WADA graded, so this is like the biggest news in the world to WADA games now. Right, and uh, congratulations to WADA and Dennis and, and Kevin over there. They they are friends of the show. In fact, we will hopefully be talking to Dennis. We ha actually had planned to talk to him soon, but now he's probably inundated with actual media requests, so <laughs> we, we may have to fly lower on his totem pole. We won't hold it against him if he if he can't make our interview. And that was, we had him slated before the this sold or anything. So that was just uh, serendipity there. So hopefully we get to talk to him. And like yeah, I said, he just, he just has to grow the business a little bit after the biggest game sale in video yeah. game history involved his company. Yeah. Uh, again, congrats to WADA. That, that, that's awesome for them. We should say, like, one of the primary differences between VGA and WADA is that VGA, like, nothing against VGA necessarily, but WADA is a group of individuals who are collectors, who are passionate about video games, who come from a history of of collecting, not just video games. And, you know, they, like, Dennis, if you've seen his collection, and if you know, I said Kevin, uh, Kenneth, God, I always call him Ke I'm sorry, Kenneth, K-Thrower, I'm so sorry. I, I don't know what my problem is. I always want to call him Kevin. Ugh, Gross. Uh, we can leave it on the podcast, so my shame is uh, noted for everyone. Anyways, Kenneth, like these are detailed people. They have done so much research. They know so much about games. So when you send your stuff to them, 
you're sending it to a knowledge base, to a, a collective of people who know the minutia of video games. You know, here's any of the people who would know what the sticker seal is, right? If you ask me, like, is this an original Mario? I, like, the level I'm going to, and I know a lot, like, I, I know about some of these sticker seals. I'm just like, uh, it's got a, go, a gold, uh, you know, Nintendo seal of quality on it. Good for me. I, yeah, I know that some of these got uh, hang tabs and some of them have stickers and I can get into the earlier prints, but I don't really care. These guys care about all of that, like down to the nth degree on everything uh, that is variant-wise, especially on NES. So that that's like the difference for me on like whether I would send something to VGA or send it to WADA, and I don't really do graded or sealed games or anything. But if I was doing it, it would definitely be WADA because I trust people with with knowledge, right? That's I would want the most knowledgeable people handling my stuff. So And yeah, I don't know how much if we talk to Dennis how much he's gonna let us shit on VGA, so I'll just get it out here. Okay. Uh, so yeah. VGA, we don't know who their graders are. They keep that a secret and there's no published grading scale. So it kind of feels like they just look at it and assign it a number, usually an eighty five, of how nice they feel it is, whereas opposed to WADA, they grade the game separately from the seal and you can go on their website, there's a big detailed scale of what you should look for and pictures of examples of each specific grade, which VGA does not have. Uh, so WADA is definitely a much more detailed and transparent uh, grading process. True. And they also release interesting blog posts that tell you the extreme history of, of like some of these variants. There's a whole history of like the black box games on their, their site. You can also find it on Nintendo Age, which is a fascinating and a must read if you're a, a NES collector and you, you want to know about this stuff. Like I, like even if you don't care, even if you're just a cart only guy, you should read this article. It's very impressive. And yeah, so that th now that this has sold this first print Mario and now everyone's got their eyes thinking about like, you know, variants, first prints, things like that. That's not super common knowledge almost anywhere. So we're going to kind of be relying on WADA to give us authoritative articles on this kind of stuff, because all these databases, even like Nintendo Age, it's basically crowdsourced community information. And we have a lot of it right, but we don't have every single variant of every single game in the Nintendo Age database, for example. So we need these super detail-oriented people to, you know, not only put it in a database, but give us pictures and examples of exactly what we're looking for for each print run. Because with something like comics and coins... There are databases that just has every comic ever printed, and no one's ever compiled that for database uh, for video games. Right. So um, I, I look forward to uh, seeing more of the stuff that WADA gets in and then makes public knowledge, uh, you know, because some of that stuff, they, they do have a database. We'll let uh, Dennis kind of really go into all the little things that WADA does. But, you know, we're going to be finding out a lot more as WADA gets more popular, and I, I really hope it does, and people send more stuff to them, like these interesting variants that we've never heard of and like the particulars of what makes a game uh, differentiate, like when five of them, you know, why this one variant is important or interesting. So rather than just like, oh, it, this one came with a, a Majesco manual and this one didn't, or this one had a, they re-released it and it's got a different cover. Like you're going to see the minutia come out. And I, I think that's very interesting. Yep. Like there's a, on, on heritage auctions right now, there's like a sealed, Halo, like the first print that was only released at the Microsoft store. There are two copies of this game that went for $20 last November opened. So open copies for $20,000. Last I looked at it, it was $4,000 at auction for a sealed copy of this stupid variant. 
And it was probably because they had like the detailed blurb about how special this sealed variant is. It's impossible to find this game sealed. That's a hell of a multiplier for an Xbox game. Uh, so it's in their interest to get this information out there. So those prices can go higher from people who are like, Oh, that's a really interesting story for this rare item. Right. But it's going to take those kind of narratives to push video games into that other, that other space. But for all of you who are worried about this, uh, let's talk about some ripple effects. Uh, you okay. Moving on to like the ripple. Okay. So, um, what do we feel like the ripple is going to be? So first let's talk, uh, immediacy. You looked into this a little bit, Tyler. How many? How did it affect Mario sales on eBay? All right. So yeah, I checked the past week of sales just because I imagine after a hundred thousand dollar game sales, someone's going to want to try to buy something related to that. So there are two sealed Super Mario Brothers that sold. Buy it now on eBay. There was a shrink wrapped twenty four hundred dollar hang tab copy, which is not a super early print run or special or anything. And then there was a $900 white seal of quality copy, which just, oh, get that off my shelf. Um, neither of them were in like super great condition. They were okay. And I, I think it's like people are buying these because they want it to get conflated with why the $100,000 one is so special. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But so this, this we can already see has happened. This is specifically just this exact same game, sealed Mario, different variant. And I think that's going to ripple out so the first print, sticker-sealed Mario, that's opened. That's still a pretty rare game to find. Uh, goes for around $1,000. People on Nintendo Age said it goes for a bit more. I bet we'd never see one of those go for $1,000 again. First print black box games in general, especially sealed copies, uh, I bet those are going to start going for a lot of money, even though they're not the game. Super Mario Brothers is the game. Now they have this relation to kind of the quote-unquote holy grail of sealed collecting. Yeah, I mean... Like, can we talk about just for a second how nice it is that the most expensive Nintendo game is finally a Mario game? Like, just my heart feels better about that rather than having to talk about stadium events. And yeah, even if it's just the weirdo sealed market, like, yeah, the video games have been completely topsy-turvy from almost every other collectible in that the things people lust after most are just the absolute biggest piles of crap and entertainment games right so uh, yeah my heart feels better knowing that the that the franchise the face of the franchise is uh officially again the the most expensive uh face of the franchise so cool i i like that part of it anyways but it's it's the face of sealed game collecting yeah as opposed to complete game collecting true complete game collectors it's still feasible to get complete sets of video games sure so of course and i, I don't you know. i don't think it's gonna like I think there'll be some trickle, right? But it, and you know, a rising tide raises all boats, but, but I don't think it's going to come in and like completely shift game collecting. I am waiting for all the annoying, you know, original Mario sales and stuff that are going to be on eBay, Craigslist, Facebook marketplace, all the places like, you know, let go where everybody who is armed with only social media knowledge is going to be out there trying to sell their stuff. That part's going to be real annoying. It's going to be like the NES, uh, you know, 001 or whatever it was. The on, uh, the, the storage wars. The junkyard wars, whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like that effect is going to happen again. So, I mean, but what we can expect is because there's so much press. And anytime we get any kind of press, and we've talked about this before, when you get a massive media event like this, you will get people who come into the market. So there there should be more people entering the video game collector's market. Now, 
my question is, what kind of collectors are they going to be? If there are people from like coin and co- comic book places, like if if the people that enter are the high end people, we're not going to feel that downstream very much because they're going to be competing on a level that we're not at, frankly. And most collectors, ninety nine percent of us, are never going to be at. If it is just like a mass influx because of a media burst that video games are expensive, then we can expect some effects down here. So most of this, like the good thing about most of the best games, though, is they're common. So you're still going to get them like that. Like the nice thing about this is you don't have to worry about your Mario. If you want a Mario, it's never going to not be affordable for you. Mario, there's so many of them. You can have one still. So don't don't stress out about this auction too much, people. So I am so this got such like crazy media coverage. Like every gaming outlet, even mainstream outlets, kind of picked up this sale because well, it was uh, Mario so one, too, right? They're like, yeah, they, they're like, what's a stadium event? They know what Mario is. Everybody knows what Mario is. Exactly. But uh, I'm hoping that that means that people are going to be like, well, video games are worth a lot of money. Let me go dig out my Super Nintendo games, and you're going to see like you know more card only Secret of Mana's on eBay. So that might be a good thing. It just might. It might be like that last little kick we need. We got uh, Marie Kondo who's like, hey, guys, clear out your garage of all the crap you don't need. And now we have this thing coming along saying, hey, but your video games are worth a million dollars. So maybe we'll see some more supply into the market because of that. So you, you're hoping you're hoping that so much new supply enters in the market, the price actually dips because of this, not goes up. I mean, maybe on like regular stuff. That's super common. Look, I, I, I don't think that's necessarily uh, incorrect. It, it depends how... Like I was saying, I think it depends on what kind of people enter the market here. Um, if we have a bunch of noob collectors who are coming in and nothing against noobs, we were all there once, but you know, they don't know what they're buying and they're not sure what they're doing. They're just after games and just eating up all the, all the affordable stuff. Then, uh, we might see some prices rise, but again, all that there's, there's still a high quantity of most of those games. So, um, I, I hope if anything, like for all of us, if, Video game collecting is uh, just kind of acknowledged and appreciated a little more. That would be great. I, I'm looking forward to more of the stuff that Watt is going to bring on the on the rare end, like the obscure stuff. That's what I'm hoping to see more of. So, and not necessarily to own, just to like read about, because that's it's unrealistic to think that you're going to own everything. Yeah, uh, I do want to bring up one thing, uh, and this is a comparison I don't love. My Wait, pop. Johnny, before you get into that, okay. I want to talk about more of wanna... <laughs> the effects on the gaming market. Okay. So, as a uh, quote-unquote regular complete-in-box, mostly card-only collector, I am worried. I have been collecting a lot of uh, real nice complete Nintendo games lately, because I realized after we did that Game Draft episode, I'm missing a lot of my favorites. The Black Box games have been on the back of my mind. Black Box games are kind of on the back of everyone's mind. I bet we see a price bump on black box games more than any other effect we see in the market. It doesn't matter that they're not rare. It doesn't matter that they don't have sticker seals. I think people are just going to be like, oh, $100,000 black box game. That means this one probably should be more than $9, probably be like $25. I don't know. I agree. Um, I agree with all that. And then the other thing I've been thinking about is uh, super high-end stuff that's not like the one-of-a-kind, you know, Mario. Uh, Card-only stadium events or... um, what's something that's worth like 20,000, like Nintendo world championships, like stuff like that is we've seen those go for obviously less than a hundred thousand dollars, but now people will be thinking like, Oh, a video game can be worth that much. And then, you know, people might pay more for a stadium events thinking like, Oh, this might be the million dollar game one day. 
Because stadium events is a pretty small multiple of what this Mario went for. Yes. Um, I, I think some of that can happen, and I, I think some of it will. I think definitely the ceiling for video games, uh, and that's ceiling of video games, that's all perception, right? And this is kind of kind of change people's perceptions a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see a, a spike on uh, you know, stadium events and NWCs. As, as gross as I think stadium events is, I, I can see that people will pay, you know, more for it. But like I, if another sealed one comes out, who knows what, and it's graded at water, who, who knows how expensive that could go. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you're, you're going to be thinking like, this is not only like a piece of my collection. This might be like a legitimate investment, you know, as gross as that is to say, that's like how people might be thinking about that really high end, like tens of thousands of dollars stuff now. Well, and that's, you know, when you have the, like that collective of investors that bought it, these are people known for coming in, uh, like from coins and comics. So like these, these are people who already are in hobbies that are known as investment hobbies or, you know, can be your hobby or it can be an investment. So are you going to see like more people from those markets drift over? And like we talked about this when we had uh, Excite Byte Games on, Eric, we talked about, you know, how that like we haven't really hit that point yet. And when people actually start to to realize that. Um, the high end people, the like the way up once they start investing in it, because all those other hobbies are so out of control compared to video games. Video games are relatively inexpensive compared to these other hobbies. So once you get those top end people, if they come in and start to see this as an investment, they're going to gobble up the top end and all the prices on all that top end stuff is going to really explode. The one saving grace is that for the very most part, all those crazy people are basically only into sealed games. Like even something that's impossible to find uh complete in box F1 pole position on Game Boy, like two grand, maybe it's not like one of these like $10,000. You you literally can't own this kind of games. No, it, hopefully, hopefully that market stays, uh, you know, those kind of crazies stay with sealed stuff. But you might see it trickle into some of the, mo- like, I think non-sealed stadium events, you might still see some of those snapped up like that, but not yeah. too much. It's not going to affect most of the stuff. Yeah. Someone sell me a stadium events before it, it's worth $100,000. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, that those sta- <laughs> All those stadium events I've passed them on in my life, uh, I'm going to feel real bad when I'm like, could have bought a house. So I think I said, uh, we were talking about the on the NES thing. I think I said it sold for like 9000 Yeah. I don't know if I ever corrected that, but the actual price was seventy nine hundred. Uh, I'd say that's a pretty good deal for stadium events uh, this year, last year, whenever it sold. Yeah, might be. Who knows? Probably better now. Yeah, probably looks better on paper right now. That's all I'm saying. Because like six months ago, it looked less good. Now it's looking a lot better. Yep. So, uh, will it stay this way? Is it artificially inflated? I don't know. O- only time will tell. We'll we'll see how this whole thing rides out. Uh, are we ready to move on to the comparison that I dislike? Uh, yes, let's go. Let's talk about the comparison that everyone is making, especially Wait. you, Dennis, from Wada Games. Yeah, Dennis, and I, I disagree with you there. Uh, so the comparison is uh, Action Comics number one, because that's like a flag a flagship item in comics that people can identify. Um, what did the last one sell for? Did you check? The, it might have been in different conditions. So just we need to give a baseline. Action Comics number one is the first appearance of Superman. It is universally agreed on as like the most important comic ever made. The priciest one is worth around $3 million in the nicest condition. And lesser copies easily sell for over a million dollars. 
So th- this is the comparison they're trying to make. They're trying to say, this is our Action Comics number one. And I'm okay if you say, this is our Action Comics number one, but here's here's the part where that, like, this very, like, this is a mint Action Comics number one because it's so hard to find and it's in such a rare condition, the best condition and all the, the stars align for this version of Mario. Sure, yeah, absolutely. The problem with the comparison and where it falls down for me is that if I want Action Comics number one, a legit Action Comics number one, not a reprint or something, I am like we're not as big into editions here in video games as we are in comics. We want that legit Action Comics number one. We're paying a minimum of a million dollars. If you want a Mario Brothers and you want it, you know, just in box, like a hundred dollar bill will get you a nice one. So it comes down to like, what is the object? They're saying that because this is sealed, now it's a different object from this unsealed copy, which might only be worth one or two thousand dollars. You know, only be worth or a regular copy of Mario, which is worth 50 bucks. And I can I could see where you're coming from on the variant angle. Like, okay, it's the first print. It's that much more special for being the first print. But when you're staying because it's the same object and it just hasn't had that sticker broken that it's worth, you know, a hundred times more. I don't understand it because I don't come from sealed game collecting, but for it to be Action Comics number one, I think it has to be an object that is just so special. It can't just be an object that no one has ever touched that is so special. Yeah, and I I agree. Like I said, I don't like the idea that um, we'll, we'll say that this is an Action Comics. It, it, you can you, you can just you can get Mario. You can get a Mario game. It's a legit Mario. It's an original Nintendo Mario game. It's not like it's not the same as a reprint of action, you know, comics number one that they made in the 90s so people could read an action comics number one. Those are legit Marios, like legit original Marios. They're not this very specific particular brand of Mario, but it's there. Uh, where I do like the comparison a little bit, you know, is that there are a bunch of different versions of action comic number one, but the original one is the one that holds the value. And it doesn't matter if you've can see or ingest uh, the origin story of Superman in a million different ways, or that first is- edition of Superman in a million different ways. The original, the, the, you know, the numero uno, that one is still commands a bunch of money, even though there are tons of way to, to absorb that content. But just like to clarify, in, in a, you're talking about the original being like the 1938 print, run, yeah. not a bunch of print runs that happened between 1938 and 1941. There was just the one. Right, right. Well, and like how how there's a bunch of different Mario. Like you can get a digital download of Mario. I'm just saying that a lot of people have read. Action, it's not like no one's read Action Comics number one, right? We've I've read it. I I, I have an edition of it that was printed, I think, in 2000 or something, just because I wanted to read the first one. And you can get a digital copy of it. There, there's a bunch of ways to consume it. Uh, the point is the the experience of reading it is not what makes it valuable. It is the object itself. Um, which, you know, in video games, there's always been this divide of, oh, well, it's for play versus collecting. It's the item on it. The shelf itself is is the value, not the content within the cart, if that makes sense. Yep. And I agree with that. So I think we both strongly agree. This is not Action Comics number one, no matter how you compare it, unless you want to go for like, oh, they both got reprints later on digitally or whatever, where it's easy to read them. But Action Comics number one of video games is stadium events, Johnny. No, even I no. think it's Nintendo World Championships, yeah. right? 
That's the one. Yeah. Because we have to, like, everyone has to agree on it, right? That's what makes yes. Action Comics number one, Action Comics number one. You could be the biggest Marvel fanboy ever, and you're like, oh, yeah, Action Comics number one, that's the thing. But I think the only thing everyone agrees on is Nintendo World Championships. You could be the lowliest of the low angry video game nerd collector, and I just bought, like, ten video games, and you're like, yeah, Nintendo World Championships. Or if you're one of these ultra-sealed high-end guys, you're like, yeah, Nintendo World Championships. Because the thing is, us lower peon people, we're just like, that's a cool copy of Super Mario Brothers. We're not like, that's the thing. Yeah, correct. Uh, and this is this is a very specific market that bought this and a very specific niche in collecting, which is very small right now uh, for video games. So we'll see how this all shakes out. I'm excited. It's an interesting time that the world is on fire right now about this. I love moments like this and also dread moments like this. Yes, it's, it's definitely been very fun reading uh, all the salt uh, combined with all the people who are like, oh, yeah, this obviously, guys, it's a test print. Duh. I've loved reading everyone's reaction to this. That that the people who walked in like this was no big deal. Those people <laughs> are insane. Get out of here! Like you, like you knew this was a thing. Nobody knew right, this. This right. is totally an unprecedented event. <laughs> Shut the fuck up! This no. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course. Oh yeah, Bronte's copy of uh, Mario Brothers. That was the only oh, sticker seal out there. We oh Tyler, you, you goose. We knew it would do this. Don't be so shocked. Shut up. Shut up. No, you did not. No one knew this. That's why the world is on fire. There's <sighs> always going to be there's always going to be some group that's like, oh yeah, we knew. Shut up. You did not. Johnny, do we want to? Uh, do you have anything else to say, or do we want to end with a prediction of the first game that's going to cross a million dollars? Let's do a prediction. Uh, I don't have any more to say. I think we've we've yeah, beat it into a dead horse. I thought we we said some good stuff. Um, did we miss anything? Um, that you know, Bronte I mean, said or anything. People have said that video games have sold for $100,000 before. I can't find it. I swear Dream TR said it was either on Assembler Games or Nintendo Age that he knew of a copy of Nintendo World Championships that sold for $100,000. There was also someone who said that there was an offer of $100,000 on a Nintendo World Championships and the guy didn't sell it. So, uh, you know, that's kind of hearsay because we don't know about those sales. There might have been more secret crazy sales that we don't know about that, you know, maybe a video game is already sold for a million dollars and we just don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, they're probably not. <laughs> well, again, we talked about being at that level. There's a, a level that we're not at and we're not privy to and definitely isn't happening on eBay. Yes. So uh, who knows in those realms? But I, when are we going to see the first public million dollar game tower and what will it be? Uh, I think it will be Nintendo World Championships Gold, not this Mario Kart. And uh, this Mario Kart, as if it's a card-only copy. Even though Stadium Events is cooler, and even though Nintendo World Championships Gray is like a hundred times cooler than Nintendo World Championships Gold. Um, I, I'm going to agree with you on the Nintendo World Championship Gold. I'm going to disagree with you on just about everything else you said. Uh, oh, you like the gold better than the gray? I do. Because there's... I. As a kid, I always saw that gold cart and I was like, that is the thing. Like that, since I was a child, the Nintendo, w, the NWC gold has been the thing I always wanted. Yeah. I don't, I don't know when my opinion, I mean, obviously when I first started collecting, like that's how I thought, cause that's kind of how everyone thought. And then my opinion like made a hard shift. I'm like, no, this is the, this is the one, this is the one people played on. You still, you still see a little text on it has a number. Oh, I think that's so cool. I, I think that's cool too. But I mean, like the one I want to put in like a, a sealed acrylic case in a shadow box, you know, or something like and put lights on and then like have to pull out of a safe as an NWC gold. Nope. 
but that's okay. We can agree to disagree. And almost everyone else yeah. agrees with you, which is great. Not that I'll ever own a Nintendo World Championships, uh, either one, but a gray is still a little bit cheaper, I think. So that's nice. I think so. Look, and that we're really splitting hairs because an NWC gray would be amazing also. Like right. I would, I would fall all over myself <laughs> with an NWC gray. But uh, you see, know, I, would, I would buy one. You'd be like, oh, oh, it's the gray one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't want to be that guy. I guess that's fine. Like, but see, with the stadium events, and I know multiple people with stadium events, and they show them to me, and I don't even take a picture of it. I, I feel very callous. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care about it. And that's why people say, oh, you're jealous of all this. No, I actually just don't. I don't care about it. I don't have any nostalgia in me for it. But when I was reading, like, as a kid reading Nintendo Power and, like, looking at games, they showed you the NWCs, and I was just like, oh, my God, that's amazing. I want to do that. I want to compete in that thing. I, I, I think I'm good. I, I can, I can win that. Like I have, I have a thing, a space in my brain that's dedicated to NWC. Stadium events was a thing I read about later and found out about, and then it just happens to be expensive. There's like a lot of expensive things in the world that I don't care about, and uh, this happens to be one of them. All right, and let me, because we have like ten new listeners who haven't heard me say this before, I just want to justify. I don't think stadium events is like anywhere near the rarity or desirability of Nintendo World Championships. I think it's the coolest NES game because it, it's the one that always completes the NES set, and I think having the US NES set as a whole is the coolest thing to have. The coolest? That's the coolest. That's the coolest. It is that pretty cool. That makes his biggest dick collector has a full set of NES, just like Stefan, right? He has all of them. I don't even know if he has all of them. He does. He he has okay. a complete NES set, and he has a complete Super Nintendo set, card only, though. But I have a complete box Super Nintendo set, which I think is cooler yeah. Now, I, I don't actually don't know if the Super Nintendo set is cooler. I like it more, but I don't know, like, from a history perspective, a, a NES set is, is cooler, I think. You know, that's a that's an interesting thing that uh, an NES game was the first game to hit $100,000, because I think this is basically giving the finger to both sides. It's like, Atari, you are nothing. And Super Nintendo, NES is where it starts, like, right? Yeah, well, well and that's... That's fair. We've always talked. And that's Nintendo is the reason the hobby is collectible, like to the point where it is, right? And it was always driven by NES. We say that constantly on this podcast. Uh, I think Super Nintendo is a cooler system with better games, but Nintendo is the thing that changed the market. Nintendo is the thing that established it, right? The NES, uh, when I say Nintendo, like that was the thing. It, it changed video games forever. So. We're not here if it didn't come out. So historically, I think, yeah, a complete NES set is is where it's at. And, and I'm just I, thinking I'm not about surprised. this because uh, is, is Joel Hopkins the guy who owns Gamma Attack? I remember he was trying to sell it for $500,000 or something like that because it's a one-of-a-kind Atari cartridge. And yeah. that didn't sell. If Atari was the console, he would have been able to sell that by now. That was like 10 years ago. So yeah. Nintendo's the console, guys. It is. Uh, always has been. All right, Johnny. Uh, one last prediction. Uh, is Stefan going to own an NWC gray or gold? Because um, <laughs> he's going to own one. I would say gray. Um, but if he's going to do it and he's going to feel a lot of fire on this now, he better do it sooner than later. I wonder if he's like he's like panicking right now at his Doctor Who convention. I don't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For people who don't <laughs> know, Stefan's not. Via PM. Yeah. Uh, Stefan's not here because he is dressed like Doctor Who somewhere down at Galfrey. Yeah, I don't even... Why does he need to go to the conventions? He already has tattooed on his body the signature of every living doctor. So what? what where is there to go from there? Uh, I don't know. It's funny. That, that convention has been going there for a while now. And 
Uh, I used to go to a convention right next door to it and ignore the Doctor Who one completely. It was a, a board game. It was called Strategicon. It was like a board game convention. So I used to go there. That's where you became completely. a Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico expert. No, uh, that I did at the the mean streets of Port Wyneme at a friend's house. Um, mm. I did it at Gen Con LA is where I won that tournament. Oh, okay. Yep. Last time I played uh, Puerto Rico. Retired. <laughs> All so. right. Uh, I think, uh, what's That's Denardo? It. Okay, I'm wrong. Joel Hopkins is not the guy who owns Gamma Attack. But whatever. I think we're done here. We talked about Mario. Yeah. It was a good time. And hopefully we gave you more information than uh, freaking Kotaku did. Or even the Heritage yeah. Auctions article on it. Yeah, so... Anything else that we want to get into? Do you want to do buying and, and selling to, or buying I and playing? I say let's skip it. This is an extra episode and I extra played episode. almost nothing. Okay. And um, plus you have to edit. This will save you some time. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to our special episode. Thank you, Tyler, for for uh, meeting with today under such short notice so we could talk about this and get good information out to the people. And uh, everybody, if you want to talk to Tyler or I, uh, where can you find us? Tyler, where can they find you? Uh, I'm on Instagram at default gen and my friends at game TZ got sad that I stopped mentioning game TZ. They thought that you told me to stop saying it. So I'm what? also Why on game TZ and Nintendo H. Why would I do that? I don't that, they, uh, too much I, branding. You're, you're propping up this dying trick game trading website. Uh, no, everyone go to game TZ. They're a good, a bunch of good people. I, I'm not some weird overlord of this podcast. It's, I know, uh, right? it's communal, but people think they're like, oh man, Johnny's like this mean guy who's like dictating <laughs> like, like what the episodes are and what people. I get weird messages about this. Guys, I don't do this. You ask Tyler. It's a free really here. nice to me. <laughs> Ste- Stefan is probably the meanest to Johnny. I will say like that is of any interaction. I think Stefan's the meanest to you sometimes. Yeah. And well, we are collectively the meanest to Stefan. But if, if yeah. anyone is being mean to each other, Stefan's the one involved. <laughs> and, and, and we're all friends and it's all fine we're, we're okay guys we're we're okay no one's offended here yes. uh, and if we are it's in text messages where we get really mean oh, so well not to tyler because tyler doesn't do text messages because he's a weirdo mm-hmm. all right anyways uh you can find me at johnny underscore iuchi on instagram and if you are looking for me at other places you probably won't find me because uh, Instagram is pretty much the place where Sega I age. live. On, yeah, Nintendo Age, it's Johnny. I'm a diva on Nintendo Age and Sega Age, and just go by my first name. So you can find me there. And uh, that's pretty much where I enact myself uh, socially. So there it is. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Hope you learned something, and uh, let us know what you think about this $100,000 auction when we put it up, and uh, what your predictions are. And I really hope we get to... Denison here to weigh in on uh, their side of it. So, very exciting times. All right, everybody. Thanks. Bye.